Welcome back to another episode of Dream Team, where club members and players and coaches pick their, pick their all-time 1-11, to 11, people who have played with them, influenced their career over a period of time. Uh, today we've got Gavin Lee, he's picking his side. Gavin's been one of our youth coaches now for 10 years plus, and also played a number of years before the merge. So, uh, welcome Gavin, how are you? Good afternoon Scott, I'm very well, thanks. Good, good, good to see you. Okay, so uh, first question, what was your first game for the club? Can you remember? Probably, it would have been a youth game. Um, Ken Porter was running the youth team. Uh, I joined around the late 80s, 88, 89, something like that. I had to pack up uh, playing football because my eyesight was too bad. And in those days, there were not really contact lenses available for kids. So I played football in the winter, cricket in the summer down South Church Park because I live like literally the cricket ball's distance from the park. Um, went over there, sort of got invited over. A friend of mine got invited to a net and I went with him and didn't really look back. So I would probably say late 80s. I couldn't tell you exactly where. Maybe Chalkwell Park. Okay. Um, but I do remember a youth game at John Burroughs at Hadley. So it could well have been that. That was, I think I got my first ever run for the club there. I think I pushed the full toss for one. <laughs> I was over the moon. But yeah, late 80s, so quite a long time ago. And your first adult game? Do you remember that? Oh dear, I'll be struggling to remember that. That probably would have been the same year because you know, the fourth 11 at that time were playing friendly cricket. So one, oh, two and threes okay. was league. Fourth 11 on the Saturday was friendly cricket. So a lot of youngsters had the opportunity to come in and play there. So the actual fixture, couldn't tell you who it was. I really couldn't. But most doubt, undoubtedly, it was probably at Victory Sports. Okay. So we'll get on to your team. So through your 30 years of service for the club, uh, who's your first opener? My first opener going into bat is got a very common nickname at the club. He's still playing for the club. And you could send him out, no feet movement at all, but what an eye, what hands. And that's Steve Laughlin. Yeah, very good player, very very underrated play. He had fantastic hand-eye coordination, but just wouldn't move his feet. Um, not a small chap. So if he'd had the old, you know, obviously you and I being coaches, we know a bit more about the lingo. If he'd had his weight transference, God, God knows how far he could have hit it. But yeah, I mean, alongside that, just a really, really lovely man. Very, yeah. very difficult to find bad words against Laffers. Um, two words I've written down about him he was one of the most encouraging players you could ever have on the pitch whether things were going well going badly well it's you know you're 200 and the opposition 200 for one and it's a baking hot day he would always encourage you right up to the end of the match I never ever forgot that um, people of a certain uh, generation will know the words surgical sock when it when we're relating <laughs> to Steve Laughlin that surgical sock, if we ever did a time capsule or a club museum, would have to go into it, I'm afraid. I mean, the stories we could have told you about that sock. Um, and one very, very, uh, it's just, I suppose Laff is a little bit of a, used to be a bit of a naive gentleman. He was surrounded by the youngsters like Jonas, Waffen and Cows, all giving him a lot of stick. But he stood his ground, he certainly did. But there was one occasion we couldn't let him, we, I can't let this pass, we were coming back from a Sunday away game. I mean, it was quite early evening, so I think we'd probably finish reasonably early. 
relatively early, sorry. It was me, Cows, I think Bells and Laffers, and we decided to go for a McDonald's at the airport. And as we've pulled into the car park, Laffers has called through the window, do they do burger and chips? And <laughs> Cow's face was just like, what, what am I dealing with here? You know, I'm at McDonald's, do they do burger and chips? But I oh, went Shandy, Laffers, his favourite, you know, always yeah. have a Shandy, but respect because he was always, he had his uh, classic Rover car for years and years that was like a converted garden shed in the end. But no, to open the innings for me, lovely man, really good batsman, very good swing bowler as well. And I played probably as much cricket with Laffers as anybody from uh, third 11 Sundays, played evening league with Laffers uh, for the club, indoor evening league during the winter months for years. So yeah, very happy to put yeah. Laffers in. Okay. And moving on to who's going to join Laffers? Uh, going into back with Laffers is another 13 stalwart from my days and uh, very early on I got to really like this chap, very reliable, uh, again full of encouragement, um, open the innings or no, number three, but that would be Pete Stannard for me. Okay, tell us a bit more about um, him. Yeah, I mean, when I was early on 14, 15, you need the uh, elder gentleman there to be reliable and trustworthy and you know, your parents, these day and age, you sort of might be a little bit more cautious, but your parents are letting you leave the house at like 12 in the afternoon and you're coming back at 7, 8 o'clock in the evening. They don't know these people. They're sort of, no. you know, they rely on the on basically good people to look after the youngsters. And I always forget, I always remember, sorry, Pete, just very, very safe person to be around, like the likes of him, uh, Liam, Laffers as well. Um, Phil Alcock I was good friends with as well when he was playing in the threes but they were just you felt safe in their company yeah. um, you know that's not that's maybe a bit underestimated these days with the kids because you've got to be very very cautious I just really really like Pete again and um, a couple of stories about Pete from a um, cricketing point of view one of them he helped me get my best ever figures for the club I was on a bit of a roll I'd got a forfer quite early on in the match, uh, second innings. And I said, oh, I'm quite happy with four, you know, get someone else to come and give them a game sort of thing because we were going to win the match. Yeah. Pete said, no, stay on. It's your day. Don't let, you know, don't let this opportunity go. And I ended up getting six for, and that was my best figures for the club. I've never forgotten Pete on that day. And he also had a big influence on me getting into electronic music, funny enough. Okay. had an away game up in Walthamstow and I didn't travel with them, but I came back with Pete and Liam Buckler. Liam had a classic old Opal car and on the car, in the car stereo was Gary Newman. And although it's not totally the top of electronic music I listen to now, it's, it was a, a real seed and it planted the seed of like, oh, you know, I'm really into this. So yeah, I have a bit of a debt to Pete and also Liam Buckler for my um, love and passion for electronic dance music. I think I don't think times people don't appreciate just what influence they are, yeah. just on and off the pitch with things yes. like that. My first ever Indian meal. I mean, my my mum's a great cook, but very conservative in a in a menu, and I hadn't had Indian food ever till I joined a cricket club and obviously it was a real tradition to go for a curry on a Saturday yeah. evening particularly if you played at home and my first ever curry was with with all these lads and because I was young and I was like only 14 15 and at school they chipped in and paid your part of the bill yeah so it might only work out at like if there's 10 of you it might only work out like 50p extra each but there was no 
argument. There was no complaint. They they just did it and just did it. No. It it helps tie bonds to the club. Yeah, no, it's great. So you talk about likes of Steve Laffin, Pete Stannard. Were they the sort? They were the main influences. Who else were the big influences when you were coming through the young as a youngster through the teams? George Gosling. I don't know if many people will be familiar with that name. No, um, I think the old a lot of people from South End side of the club will, will be, remember the name George Gosling. Yeah. Uh, Yorkshireman, one lung, had to wear um, a chest protector. I'd never seen anyone wear a chest protector. But absolutely brilliant encouragement for the youngsters. Um, would G them all up. And he was, again, never a bad word. He didn't see him having like aggravation with the opposition, something that I can't pretend that I didn't didn't get involved in in some days but yeah um, Mike Tracy the late Mike Tracy he was captain of the fourth team when I first started playing um, he was an old maths teacher from Belfast he sort of sadly passed away um, Mike 18 as well some of you maybe might be familiar with his sons uh, Paul and Neil played for the youth team and I was very good friends with Paul and Neil for many years and uh, Mike was one of my first captains. So okay. it's just, I suppose, the adults who were the, your captains and the vice captains who would always G you up. And I mean, I never felt uncomfortable. You know, it's a long day in football. I mean, a game of cricket's like a longer day than me going up to football and back in London. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. a long, long day. And you've got to be with people that you get on with and trust. No. And I think trust was a major part of, of, you don't think about it then, but when you think about it back now, the trust that I had with these people is just immeasurable, really. No, that's great. Okay, so back to your team. Uh, number three for you. Number three, um, one of the two best players I ever played with through the club. Um, I was fortunate enough to play many, many years on a Sunday. Um, I held my own, I think, with, again, playing alongside a lot of first 11 and second 11 players. Um, this player was a fantastic batsman, absolutely superb batsman, and a very, very underrated quick bowler, and that's Newman Khan. Yeah. Um, I had Newman come through the fourth 11. When I was about 18, the fourth 11 was looking for a captain, um, and I said, well, I'd be willing to do it if we went into, the le into a league. I said, I'm not captain in the fourth mm -hmm. 11 if it's just friendlies. So there was a little bit of push and pull with the selection committee and the club as a whole, whether or not we wanted, you know, because there was that theory that Saturday cricket, you know, you could have some friendlies and it wouldn't be too yeah. competitive. And I said, I said, if you want a strong club, the full, every league, every 11 has to be a league team. So we sort of won that, that debate. And together with Jeff Wood, who I must mention as well, was a great help as sort of we co-captained the fourth 11 for a couple of years. And I had Newman come through that, um, Ben Woffen came through that, Wayne Spear, Johnners, Bailey's first, John Horn's first men's game for the club. He got three wickets in the last over to win the match. Lee was seven down with one over to go. He got the three. All these, all those youngsters who've hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of performances all come through the fourth 11 um, when I was lucky enough to be sort of 18, 19. But Newman was just a fantastic player to watch. Hit the ball so hard. Excellent technique. Kept his head very, very still at the crease, which is something that I wasn't really too conscious of until I went into coaching. Uh, really important. And a very fast bowler. Very good bowler. Yeah. But I don't think he quite had the drive to be a bowler as much as he, want, as he could have been. I think if other people had had his ability, 
um, and they weren't batsmen, I think they might have maybe made more of, more of that bowling ability. But as an all-rounder and a genuinely really nice bloke, and obviously he's been away at the club and come back, I think he has a bit of a magnetic draw to the club. He, he keeps bringing him back. Yeah, so good to have at the club, Newman. He is. Very good. Okay, so on to four. On, on to four would be one of the other two best youngsters um, at the time that I played with. Again, mainly on nearly always on Sundays. Um, excellent. A very, very good bowler. Um, excellent batsman again. Very funny young lad. And genuinely showed an interest in a lot of players, even if you weren't in the same team as him. And that was Ben Wotham. Yeah. Remember a few stories about Ben. We had one incident where we played Broomhill uh, over at the park when they shared our, our pavilion. Okay. And we used to have the Yard of Ale. And Ben, being a little bit of a naive lad at the time, was dared to do a Yard of Ale for um, a certain purse, as it were. And I made sure, I was on bar that night, I think, with Johnners, and I made sure that w the money that had been collected, I said, he's not touching a drop of that at the yard until he gets me. Um, I, I Basically, I held the pot because I, I didn't necessarily trust the <laughs> to get to pay him. But he did it, and um, yes, it was probably not the wisest move that Ben ever did. But sometimes with alcohol, you have to learn the hard way. In fact, normally you have mm -hmm. to learn the hard way. But again, yeah, I really enjoyed playing cricket with Ben. Um, most of the time there were two 11s between us, but he showed me an awful lot of encouragement. Um, I remember one indoor um, match where we used to put two teams out. We had an A and a B side, and we met in a match up at uh, Park School Rayleigh. Ben got me out LBW, and then when we went about, I got him out snicked behind Cork Cows. And I still remember Ben saying after the game, he said, well, bowled. And so when... When you get something like, and also Newman, he didn't say a lot, but if Newman said to you, well bowled, it, 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 not saying that anyone else, it didn't matter, but this no. had a little bit more weight. More recognition, that's a good way to be, yeah. No, very good quick to Ben say. Hard to captain, was he at that age? At 18, no, he was quite pliable, to be honest. I mean, he didn't really go, I mean, I was 18, and so what, 18, 19, so what would he have been, 13 maybe? Yeah. I'm not too sure about the ages. So, yeah, you're not going to be too lippy at 13. And in the end, and if you think about cricket, it's quite rare in the fact that men and uh, children or youngsters right. can play in the same side. Yeah, no, it's very true. It's yeah, probably there's no, there's no, once you get to men's cricket, it's, no, it's not age group related. So no. that is, again, going back to, say, the Laffers and the Pete situation. They're, they're like, well, on a game of cricket. They shouldn't, don't necessarily want to babysit youngsters during the day on their day off, but they realise it's part of the club. The club always came first with so many of these people. Yeah, no, it's great. Great club. Okay, so number five for you. Well, number five, um, put simply, is one of my closest friends in the whole planet. Um, I don't have many people I can share my sort of somewhat odd sense of humour with at times. A very, very technically good batsman. Very, very good. Um, his family had no cricketing history at all, so there's un undoubtedly mm -hmm. a, a real element of natural talent there. Um, he played most of his cricket in the second 11. I didn't play as many games of cricket with him as I would have liked to have done. But nevertheless, I speak to him nearly every day or in touch with him every day. And my number five is Chris Chambers. Yeah, good cricketer. Good cricketer, Chris. Very good cricketer. The only thing I would say is he's a very, very good bat, very useful bowler, but he can't dive. If you don't... Don't put him as a sweeper. He'd admit it as well. He would just miss time a dive. It would be over it, too short. The classic ones, he would dive too early. 
and he would be full spread out, you know, his arms out like Superman and the ball was sort of five yards in front of him. But that would be a very minor criticism mm -hmm. of uh, a player who had a, an awful lot of natural talent. Very, very funny man as well. I would probably say the funniest person that I know. Um, and, you know, I, I, I have a big interest in military history and war films and military books. And I share that passion with him as mm -hmm. well. And you can't always find people to share your passions with. And when you do, you tend to be quite close to them. No, I see, I understand that. I think one of the things I found with Chris, as you say, is loads of natural talent, but probably had a few too many theories about batting. And he sort of almost made himself not worse. That's not the word I'm looking for, but do you know what I mean? But worried too much. Yeah, he overcomplicated it at times. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, he can go on hot streaks. He plays in uh, for Barnes, uh, West London. Um, and I think last season, I think he started off, including friendlies, like three tons in like his first five games, something yeah. like that. So an awful lot of natural ability, uh, you know, and someone who, I mean, I knew from quite an early age, I'd be good friends with this lad. It was, it's a bit weird. I mean, I think he was 16 and I was like 22 and, but that's a world apart as ages yeah. at that. But I could always tell then just his sort of sense of humor, maybe is. It's like very dry sarcasm. I thought, yeah, this this would be a lad I could probably be good mates with in years to come. Quite glad, quite fortunate I am as well. Good bowler as well. He was underrated. Yeah, underestimated yeah. himself. Uh, I do remember a Sunday game where he got a good bowl. He was on a fourfer, and he'd never ever got a fifer ever. And we were june him up and june him up, and in the end, he just couldn't bowl anymore. His legs, his knees were almost like stumps. He was just he couldn't bowl. He was knackered, so we brought him off. But he got his fourfer. But yeah, under underestimated. Again, I played a lot of evening league with Chris, particularly with the bank. When um, I played in the bank cricket evening league outdoors, um, I mean, if you think the fourth eleven used to scrape around for players, then you should be caps in the bank evening league side. But I got Chris to play many, many games and just let him open, just go and let him do his thing. But That's a really, great. really genuinely funny person to be around. True, so, very true. So, so the likes of Newman, Ben, Chris Chambers, you captain them all on Sundays. They must have been good times. Yeah, we had a great laugh. We had a really, with the Sunday, it was tend to be the guys who were unmarried or didn't have children yeah. at the time. And so we tended to be playing, of the 11, eight of us used to play every week. Um, so, I mean, I can't remember too many uh matches from an outcome point of view. I mean, we were playing in the Ibex, the second division of the Ibex, right. and then we went up. I can't remember if we went up when I was catching. I really can't, because we used to play friendlies as well on a Sunday. Yeah. It used to be um, like Tillingham, we used to play home away, and then Latchington we played. I remember a, a Sunday game away at Latchington, and half the village came out to watch us, because... Uh, you know, it was quite a big deal to play South End on Sea, and they put on this spread in their sort of village hall for us. That was, we were quite embarrassed. It was a feast, an absolute feast. So Sundays were less competitive because you, <clears throat> you, you almost had your your match, your league game, and your points on the Saturday. Yeah. And I wouldn't quite say it was down tools because you can't play cricket seriously if you even try to. Yeah. Um, if you don't play cricket seriously, it's going to hurt you. Um, so the, the, the edge wasn't quite so sharp, but it was still there. Um, mm. You know, if we weren't performing, if we, I remember, do remember one Sunday match where we've just filled it appallingly. I said, oh, and I actually said to him, I said, look, I'm going to have a word with you here. Normally I wouldn't. And it's just, if you're just going to mess around, then don't play. 
Yeah. And the lads did actually listen. It was like, I wouldn't say it was like, you know, tub thumping Churchill stuff, but it was just a reminder that you could be doing something else today. If you don't want to do this cricket, don't turn up. No, and I think, I think no one had really spoken to me like that before. And it was like, look, I have a bit of professional pride, amateur pride. Even, yeah. But in general, very, very few issues with any, any lads. I don't remember falling out with anyone big time. as no, captain. Great stuff. Because I think, as a captain, you've got to try and, particularly in the fourth and third eleven, you have more responsibility to give people a game. Yeah, yeah, you want to I think try. In the first team, if you're a first team opening bowler and you're four overs, nil for forty, off you go. Yeah. You know, and you won't come back that day, and that has to be respected. But you know, I mean, in the third and fourth eleven, you've got to give, particularly youngsters, because they're they're not going to come back. No. I mean, if you bat them eleven and field them fine leg they're not going to come back. So you've got to give them an opportunity. And I think that's the one thing I was always grateful for at the club. We had the opportunity to play. No, it's great stuff. Okay, so back to your side. Uh, we're up to six now, number six. Well, number six fits in nicely with my word there, opportunity. Uh, and this is a, a gentleman who was the youth coach when I joined. Uh, he was effectively running it on his own. So he was getting us to the matches around South East Essex in the evening. Uh, he then was my coaching mentor myself when I decided to do level two. Uh, and you know yourself, the amount of work and hours that you have to put in yeah. to, to be supervised, uh, both formally and informally. Um, and an excellent player, absolute nightmare to captain, but a lovely gentleman and a name that runs through Southend, and that is Ken Porter. Yeah, lovely bloke. You tend to take people for granted as a youth player. You sort of think, well, someone will be there or someone will phone me up and tell me where the game is. And it's only when you end up doing yourself, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but you realise, well, they're important, those people. Uh, you need people like that to run things. Um, otherwise, again, it comes back to the opportunity. I mean, if I didn't have that opportunity then, I don't know whether or not I would have carried, I would have played cricket for another club. I certainly wouldn't have played for the old boys because... I was a, at South in high, so the last thing I wanted to do was sort of go to school and then sort of have to be involved in it out of school as well. I was never into that. Um, and obviously, Southridge Park being so close to, to where I lived, it was the natural club for me to go to. But if I hadn't been a youth set up, I would have probably gone somewhere else. Um, you know, and the, sort of the years I've given to the club over particularly coaching, I'd like to think that I've given back what the club has given me yeah. as an opportunity. But... That might have never have taken place if it hadn't been for Ken. But it doesn't matter how long you've known Ken, doesn't matter whether you know him briefly or for many, many years, he'll call he'll still just call you boy. <laughs> you know, I think I might have, once I qualified as a coach and started sort of taking over, because I think Ken wanted to sort of back move away from doing the youth. He'd been doing it so long. Yeah. Um, I totally appreciated that. But yeah, it was only after I, I think I started taking over the youth that he started calling me Gavin instead of boy. And I think that's like the height of respect. If Ken can call you by your, by your name, you, you th I think you've made it, to be honest. Well, to be fair, if he remembers your name as a start, there's <laughs> not many people. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why everyone gets well, called boy. I think that you might have a point there. It might be everyone is boy. But, yeah, it is um, yeah, just a, a really, really important person. And, as I say, was there for me when I was a, a youth player. And then... Um, was a, a great help in me becoming a coach myself to, to coach youth players. 
and the youth setup we've got now is immeasurably um, down to the fact that we had one from the very start to be honest that gives us a platform okay so number seven number seven is my wicket keeper um, and he has I have heard him mentioned and described on other dream teams Um, one of the most gentle souls I've ever met a lovely lovely guy underestimated himself as a keeper I I know that um, it was either Tommy Kenton or um, John has mentioned it he really really and I think you did as well he was really underestimating himself a very gentle soul but with no confidence you know he, he it, I think he almost felt as though if, if his mates were encouraging him he thought we might have been taking the mickey out of him and it that was the last thing he was a really really good player and I think um, I should probably mention his name now because I've been going on about it it's Andy Calloway yeah the number of Cork Calloway bold leads that I had over the years um, just really stuck in my mind. I played with undoubtedly better wicket keepers. I think the, the best wicket keeper I played with consistently over the years on Sundays would have been Wayne Spear. Um, Wayne got me my first ever and only stumping as a bowler. Um, it, I mean, I was never particularly quick. If you were a good wicket keeper, you could stand up to me, no problem, yeah. really. And he once stood up to me, took one down to square leg. I'm waiting for the wide and the geezer's giving him stumps. So I was over the moon with that. But I, spe- I, I played so much cricket with cows. Um, predominantly third team, a lot of Sunday team, evening league, indoor and outdoor. Um, and again, a really, really funny bloke. Has hardly a bad word to say about anyone. And I think the only time I, I sort of really had a go at him once was when, because obviously he's a Liverpool supporter, and I remember we were driving home, Robin Edmonds, the late Robin Edmonds was driving us home and we stopped off at Cow's because he wanted to get changed before we went down onto the clubhouse. So I'm sat in the front of the car and Robin's like waiting there and Cow's gets into the back seat and I look round, he's wearing a Manchester United shirt. And so I've just t- I've put my hand on the steering wheel and I said to Robin, hold up, we're not going anywhere here. And I looked round at him and he knew what was coming because of me. He knew what I'd, I'd lay into him. I said, what the hell are you wearing that for? You call yourself a Liverpool fan? And he didn't know where to look. But I think I was justified. If you call yourself a yeah. Liverpool fan you can't and wait. you're even seen in jest wearing a Manchester United fan, you're going to get it. Not happening. But again, a lovely man. Um, I know that Tommy mentioned he's moved away. Um, yeah. Definitely someone you're going to miss around the place because yeah, good, good uh, clubman, good clubman, good a very good clubman, very funny, and as I said earlier, just a very gentle, yeah. kind individual. Very well, good way to put it about him, mate. Good words there. Okay, so number eight. Number eight is probably a spot down the batting order that he that he would prefer, but um, this is very much a captain's choice. When I was third eleven okay. captain, I wanted this gentleman in my team every week. He was worth 10 runs in the field on his own and probably another 10, 15 runs encouraging everybody else. One of the best um, motivators that you'll ever meet anywhere. Again, I'm very pleased to call him a very good friend that I'm in touch with all the time, and that's Kevin Salt. Uh, Came to cricket uh, quite late in his adult life. He hadn't had any real background in cricket whatsoever. Um, and more more than made up for his lack of experience and ability at the time of his sheer enthusiasm. And I mean, he's a proper dynamo, Kev. Uh, yeah. He's sort of getting going, and you know, and the, the stuff that he's done for the club 
uh, is you know pretty measurable. But Kev comes under the category of within any sporting organisation of must have. <clears throat> um, he gets things done. He gets people to do things um, that they might, <coughs> excuse me, that they might not necessarily want to do. But he'll sort of say, "Look, we need this done. We need this done. I will do this if you can do that." And he's mm-hmm. he's a, an excellent person to have at the club. Thoroughly enjoyed playing with him. I mean, when I was, as I said, when I was captain, he was like my regimental sergeant major. Um, you know, if if I needed, I never had any aggravation on the pitch if Kev Salt was on the same team as me. Um, I remember one match we played Orsit at home and I've never played in rain like it. I mean, it was a car wash. Liam Buckler was at Long On. One of their guys has driven it up in here. Liam didn't even see it. So it could come down on his head. He didn't see the, the, the visibility was shocking. So with Orsit needing 10 to win, they obviously wanted to stay on and this was just ludicrous weather. So we've come off. And the opposition captain who had a bit of a reputation, or sorry, wicketkeeper, made a beeline for Mike Scott who that was his name at the time, was captain in the third 11. And Kev Salt made it perfectly clear to this gentleman that he would be highly unadvised to carry it on. And nothing else happened. It was just a very gentle, persuasive, I wouldn't want to call it threat, but no. piece of advancement, shall piece we say. Advice. But yeah, a very good friend, massively passionate West Ham supporter. Um, obviously, we share similar... Um, dislikes of other London clubs, shall we say. So that obviously bonds, forms a bit of a bond between us. And also the fact that we've been season ticket holders at our respective clubs for so long. Um, we speak to each other as fans who go as opposed to fans who don't. And it's, it's a little bit, you know, people who go to games regularly, they're a slightly different breed to the people football fans who don't no that's understandable so coming on so we talked a bit, bit about your influences at the club as you grew up who were your cricketing heroes from like the england team or international team from the england team we'd have to say graham gooch yeah. when um and you've also got to take into account that when we were growing up 15 16 onwards test match cricket was on the bbc one yeah it, we had the opportunity to watch the England cricket team live. And so Graham Gooch for Essex and England, absolutely outstanding. Um, particularly Gucci because Essex was so successful and they used our pavilion. So when, when County Week was down at Southwich Park, we, were, we put up our own marquee. Um, and a lot of it at the time was three-day cricket. So you'd have two three-day matches and in a, yeah. uh, say, a John Player uh, special match you'd have seven days of cricket every game would be absolutely sold out Essex would contrive to get a chase 300 in something like 60 overs and Goose would just smash him off he really would um, not many other Essex players um, sort of featured too highly mm. in my uh, memory of cricketers that um, I followed mainly just England Devon Malcolm um, always rung a bell because he was just so fast. Uh, it's just an absolutely breathtaking, the quickest bowl I've ever seen live, um, particularly at Southwich Park, um, right. because our marquee was side onto the wicket. The yeah. Derbyshire wicketkeeper, <coughs> excuse me, was nearer the boundary boards than he was the stumps. And watching Malcolm come in from the Northumberland Road end, he bowled the ball, and the, ne- and the wicketkeeper's taking it above his head before you've even seen it. it was, really really fast um and there was just one other 
more of a 1980s sort of memory. Um, you probably remember the old CFAX and Teletext. Yep. That used to be the only way that you could follow or find out the scores from games around the country. And there were always two names that stood out for me whenever I used to go through all of the different scores for all the different counties. It was Bold Donald or Bold Wakar. And you used to sort of think, I don't know who these people are, but when you get older, you realise Alan Donald was arguably one of the very finest fast bowlers of all time. Yeah. And Wakar Yunus in his partnership with Wazim, again, arguably the best opening bowling partnership of all time, particularly no. for Pakistan. But those names, whenever I went on Teletext, they would just clean up every single week. And you sort of think, I don't know who these people are, but I know your names. It was very much sort of an influence. And when you got to see Donald play live after South Africa's ban was, was um, curtailed, and you actually saw how good Donald was, you'd think he would have got 600 test wickets. Yeah, if he'd no, been playing test cricket from 20 years old, he'd have got 600. Okay, so coming back to your team now, Gavin. Yeah. Uh, on to number nine. Number nine. Well, this is a guy who's no longer at the club. Um, played most nearly all of his career for us in the threes and the fours. A real character, and that is Dennis Compton. One of the most enthusiastic lads I ever played cricket with. Absolutely loved the sport. Um, my mum used to teach supply at Thorpe Bay High many years ago, and she remembers two people from the cricket club that she taught. Uh, one of them was Alan Monty. She used to say how polite that Alan was. Um, and he was, you know, you can always say Dell has got a serious, polite man is a really nice guy. But she said about Dennis, doesn't matter what time of the year it was or what, how old he was, she'd always find him. He'd always be walking around the school with a cricket bat. And it didn't matter where, what, whether it was winter or not. So I used to say, well, I mean, it's like December, mum. What's he doing? He said, no, he's got a cricket bat. So he absolutely loved the game. Um, Dennis makes my team as well because I probably drank more pints with Dennis at the clubhouse okay. more than anyone else. Um, we were big fans of, John has mentioned it in his dream team, the, the drink called Eagle Smooth. Uh, and we also went through a phase where we got Boddington's on draft. And Dennis and I, Dennis just lived, used to live over the railway bridge on South Church Road. So we used to be two or three last, <coughs> last people to leave the clubhouse, walk to mine, and then he'd carry on walk over the road to South Church. Um, again, a, a real, real joy to be around when you're playing the game. Sometimes down the clubhouse, even on a Saturday evening, particularly if you've had a disappointing result, um, you'd have to tell Dennis, look, can we not talk about next week's game until Monday at selection? You know, he'd come up to you and say, Gav, I want to talk to you about next week's seamers. And I'll just give him one look and say, no, Dennis, we're not, not doing that. Another thing about Dennis that not many people would have appreciated was... Um, if you got to travel in his car. Now that was an experience. Now, if you were the passenger, the footwell, um, and this is something that Chris has mentioned as well, Dennis's footwell resembled the trash compactor in Star Wars. <laughs> you very, very reluctant to put your feet down anywhere. There was McDonald's cartons and, I don't know, empty cans of drink, crisp packets, things like that. It didn't really treat the car as though it was like, you know, his pride and joy, Dennis. But when England beat Germany 5-1, yep. I can't remember the year now, we were playing in Benfleet. 
and it was a Saturday evening kickoff and my lift back to the clubhouse was with Dennis. We were itching to get back to the to the much of the game obviously as possible. And Dennis absolutely within the speed limit, of course, floored it from Benfley all the way back to the clubhouse. And we only missed one all. When we arrived, it was one all. And then so England went on to win five one. So I'm I was grateful for Dennis for he went all the back roads. He knew all the back roads from Benfley ran to the clubhouse. We avoided any traffic. And because that was on like ITV, the, the streets were empty anyway, England, Germany. Um, but yeah, I always remember that about Dennis. But I did spend most of that journey with my feet above the floor level. What about Dennis as a cricketer? Really, really interesting lad to play cricket with. I couldn't always make him out if he was a better bat or a bowler. Because okay. um, he didn't have much of a neck, Dennis. Um, his bowling action was quite quite unique. He sort of, he'd scuffed like scuttle into the stumps and all of a sudden his sort of like leading arm would just pop out from underneath his elbow almost and then the ball would be down there but a very good player I like playing with Dennis but um, he had the best he, he don't know how to describe this really but when he was out he had the most glorious walk off that you could ever imagine I mean the bat was under the arm, the gloves were off, and he strode off. He, he was proud to be out, Dennis, at some times. <laughs> he, he absolutely loved it. But again, when you play a game that you share that passion with for so many years, it's very difficult not to be good friends. No. He also cool. went through a phase, Dennis, I don't know why, of wearing very obscure um, football shirts. And each Saturday, <clears throat> you'd turn up and you'd have this... A brand new shirt on it you're like Dennis what is that and it would be like Admira Wacker or Wacker from Austria I didn't even know you could buy those shirts so God knows but I think he probably just got a job a lot but yeah I mean he was a Spurs fan Dennis bless him for his sins but that I didn't hold that against him he was a, a good friend and someone um, I really enjoyed playing with. Great stuff uh, now we're just number 10 Number 10, well, this is my main spinner in the side. Again, someone I've played probably more games of cricket with uh, than the vast majority at the club. Uh, third 11, fourth 11, uh, evening league. Um, very, very good friend of mine. Uh, we work with him in the coaching department. He's, uh, and his son has come on to be a very good player. And that yeah. is Graham Butler. Yeah, good lad. Graham, when I first started, was predominantly a wicketkeeper. And I mean, I've always had opinions on people and obviously doesn't always stand you in good stead. And I always thought to myself, I'm not overly convinced about Graham as a wicketkeeper. I mean, I was in no position to say anything. I didn't really know the bloke at the time. But when I got, when he sort of converted and started playing regularly as an off-spinner, you know, you completely thought, well, I, I haven't got any doubts about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was a really, really good third 11 off spinner uh, and a lovely, lovely guy as well. Yeah. Um, he was the third 11 captain, I think, two or three years before I, I did it. And I can't have been. There were one or two moments where, you know, it's almost like an apology to Cameron now where I wasn't the best behaved. And Graham, bless him, he's not like missed very demonstrative he was sort of like he's a very laid-back easygoing sort of guy and he finds it very hard to sort of like you know back someone up against the wall and sort of say look behave do this do that and he sort of almost feel bad more worse for uh, you know making it hard for a good friend to captain 
rather than losing the plot. Whether or not you were right or not, it doesn't matter. No. Um, but no, Graham, I, I regard as a very, very good friend of mine through the club. Really enjoyed playing with him. Uh, another really, really quiet individual, but when he says something, it's worth listening to, which is, should be the sort of the balance when, when people are speaking. But yeah, um, lots and lots of wickets, Graham, in the yeah. third 11. Lots and lots of wickets. And he's still playing now, and it's it must be really nice for him to be able to take the field with Kieran. Yeah, I, I, I don't think he'll return a field with Kieran for too much longer, I think. I think that's probably right. Kieran yep. is... Um, might, I mean, might I, well I, outgrow his he might well outgrow him and, and in height as well you never know no that's it <laughs> but as, as a batsman um, I spotted Kieran last year had turned a corner um, again with his coaching trying to help him with his batting his head is very very still yeah and anyone listening to this who wants one piece of coaching advice when they're batting keep your head very still, still. I mean it just sounds so simple. It sounds so basic. But and Kieran plays very, very straight, very, very straight, very, very um, correct. Um, and so it's quite nice that Graham has helped coach him, and we've all helped coach the youngsters. Yeah. And then when you see these people coming through, um, and as I believe the three bowling awards went to youth players, former youth players. Yeah, we'll come on to that season. at the end. Yeah, uh, well, right. I mean, that suggests that you know. The setup that we have and the people that we have working within the youth team are all really, really like passionate about doing it. No, and in no. his own way, Graham is uh, full of real, real wisdom about. Yeah, he, he, is. Know, he knows the game. Very quiet, but as when he speaks, you do tend to listen because you know it's going to be something useful to come Without out. Of doubt. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's he's got he's got um, good sage advice sometimes, Graham, That's and he's right, a much yeah. much calmer head. Much, much calmer head. Uh, sometimes I, I, I get a little bit frustrated by some of the behaviour of the youngsters and my own, um, the way I might deal with it might not be the best way of dealing with it sometimes. But, you know, with Graham, you know, uh, he's someone I would listen to and take his advice. Yes, good doubt. mix. Good mix, as you say. Okay, so your last man now. Well, my last man, last but no man, certainly not least, uh, well, certainly not as a bowler, um, I played many, many games with this guy in the third eleven. They say bowling partnerships, bowlers bowling partnerships as well. And I think there's no doubt about it. If I sort of reflect on the club uh, years, this guy I opened the bowling with more times than anyone else, and that is Dean Johnson. Again, a highly competitive guy. When he crosses that white line a bit like me, he sort of suddenly turns into a little bit of a different person. But I think in sport, that isn't a bad way. As long as you can keep it on the pitch yeah. um, and it doesn't cross the line, even when you're on the pitch itself, um, I think sport should be played with an element of not necessarily needle, but it should be a bit of competitive. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because I think the mental side of sport is a challenge to overcome as well. You might have all the ability in the world, but if you're very easy to, if you can affect someone's game just by a comment, um, not even necessarily malicious, well, you might just remind a batsman of a weakness or remind a bowler that he hasn't got a wicket in a few weeks. I think the, 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 the mental side of the sport is as, as much of a challenge to overcome as the, uh, the, the physical and the skill set. I mean, 
when England won the Ashes 3-1 away, they lost the one by a massive score. It wasn't like they lost by a few runs. It was a massive score. So you get to the point where, well, that game's done. Let's move on and we'll go to the next one. And it was a mental. that England were no worse than Australia on that one game. Mentally, Australia had the upper hand, but England came back. But, yeah, Dino... We, we used to have a, a bit of a, a laugh with Dino that he was he, he got the worst eight for in club history. We were, again, this was over at Wellstead, and I think we were playing Basildon, and Chris was in the side as well, and I was bowling really well from the pavilion end. I just couldn't get a wicket. It was play and miss, play and miss, and in the end, they just stopped playing shots at me. And at the other end, they were having a party at Dino's expense. Everything went up in the air, and... I remember, I think of his eight wickets, two of them were bowled and the other six were caught somewhere on the ground. But it's very, very churlish to criticise a man and say it was a bad eight for You I'll can't have a, a bad eight for I'll take a bad eight for every day. A bad eight for over a good five for any day of the week. But That's again, it. I think Dino, the, the, one of the main reasons he's in the side, again, he's a very good friend. I've played a lot of cricket with him over the years. Obviously now as club chairman, we need to give him as, um, all the support that he can. I mean, even in the short time that he's been um, the chairman, I feel like the club has made some big positive strides, particularly on a human level. Um, but he was the most competitive, well, probably the most competitive person I've played with all the time. You know, he was, it really meant a lot to him to play. Um, but he is in at 11 for a reason. And, and I certainly don't, um, claim to be any sort of gifted batsman, but Dino will probably go down as one of the more weaker number 11s that I ever saw. Planted that long leg down the wrong line, bowled off stump. Now, that was a pretty common way of Dino getting out. But, you know, cricket is a great sport. You can be brilliant at one and not so good at another, and it doesn't really make any difference. No. no that's a, so that's a pretty good one to 11 you've picked there, Gavin. Um, who, anyone you saw could have put in, lots of people you could have put in, or... Other names? Again, for, yeah, I've got a few names written down of people who like, again, uh, massive club men, uh, people I played a lot of games with, some very good players. Uh, they're, they're, they're not in it, they're not, not made to seem for any other reason. And the fact that really I can only get 11 in. Yeah. Um, a couple of Craigs, Craig Porter and Craig yeah. Carter. Um, Craig Porter was probably the best left handed bat I played with on Sundays. Probably just didn't play enough games of cricket with Craig for him to get into the side. It was probably always going to be two third eleven regulars that I yeah. was going to revoke. Uh, Carter, again, absolute, uh, a real, real character. Um, first Australian I ever met. And thankfully, he's not like most of the Australians that I've met in the past. And uh, um, even though my brother-in-law is an Australian, so if he does get to watch this, hello, Warren, how are you? Um, Craig, it was an interesting story. Uh, we played a game over at uh, Grey Gaps. Uh, I don't think they're playing now, but somewhere in Greys. And it was uh, a fourth 11 match. And the opposition, had we had too many. And the opposition didn't have enough. So me and my friend ended up playing for the opposition. I dropped Craig Carter twice in the outfield and he went on to get a ton. So I'm sure he still owes me for something somewhere for that. Yeah, um, other names, just to briefly mention, um, Doc Singh. Um, I've got obviously a lovely man, but I couldn't bat with Doc. I mean, you just couldn't bat with Doc. Nah. Um, Del Monte, again, absolutely fantastic character, really funny man, very, very dry, but he's not getting me enough runs, Del, so sorry, mate. 
Uh, Spear, again, from the youngsters. I, I was probably, the team is nearly all third 11, That's apart from Newman team. and Ben. I couldn't get everyone in. Spear, just a bit under Newman and Ben for the um, influence it had on me over the career. But again, Wayne, a massive club man, someone who loves the club the bits. He's been there. I captained him from a very early age. Um, always remember him turning up at victory. Full of enthusiasm, absolutely full of beans. Loved the game and, and his enthusiasm for it hasn't changed. Um, Johnny Horn, who fits in with uh, the category of players I played with him for years, uh, mentioned his uh, debut for the club. He got a five for, it might have even been six, where he got three in the last over. Never forget that. I mean, Kev Salt bought him his jug and said, take that round and that you know, makes him feel part of the club. Uh, Nigel Green, who I'm yeah. really glad yeah. is back involved in the club. He's... He's a very sensible, calm, level head with a professional take on serious issues. Again, but with a brilliant sense of humour. You could have a right good laugh with Nigel. But I couldn't get him in the side because I hardly ever played with Nigel over no, the years. Fair. And I'm not having anyone bowl 26 overs from one end. Sorry, no. I'm not having that. I think it's brilliant um, player. Yeah, and one other name I'd like to mention. If I've missed anyone else off who I care for and about, then that's the way it goes. But one other name, he moved to Bristol um, quite a few years ago. Um, see him occasionally when we meet up for our sort of annual curry that we've had to postpone of late. Uh, and that's Phil Alcott. Um, had a great sense of humour. Very, very dry man. I mean, seriously, dry martini without any, without any martini. He was very, very dry sense of humour. A very good cricketer. Um, I've got memories of when I was about... 14, me and my friend who I used to knock around with down Southchurch Park, we would sort of play up against the wire mesh fence and about 40, 50 yards along would be Phil Alcock and Dave Alcock. And okay. I sort of realised then that I had some way to go in terms of ability to, to even get close to them. I never got close to Dave Alcock's ability, but I might have got as good as Phil as a bowler. He was a good swing bowler, but a better batsman than swing bowler, I thought. Uh, but again, I spent a lot of time in his company in the third eleven, uh, and I think the thing that one word that would sum up nearly all of the characters that I've managed to pick and mentioned is laughter. Yeah. Uh, we all share a hell of a lot of laughter, and I, sometimes it gets forgotten. I wouldn't say it's underrated, but it certainly can get forgotten. Um, and you know, with the club taking uh, positive turns. Uh, in the future, then I hope that we can see a lot more of these people down the clubhouse. I mean, I'm certainly not making any real plans to come back as a as a player, um, but obviously um, I'm still heavily involved in the club. And yeah, yeah so, I hope to get down the club when we're playing again and have a few beers with these people. No, that's good. So just before we wrap up, we haven't got long left. Just sure. you obviously you and I do a lot with the coaching. Yeah. Who are the ones you see coming through in the next couple of years? Well, it depends what age you're looking at. Obviously, Kieran is only, I think, 15. Yeah, I'm not sure 15, if, if yeah. he's even that old. Kieran, obviously, is, is coming through. is really good. Um, obviously, we're quite fortunate to have Libby at mm. our cricket club. Um, gone are the days where it was a novelty to see uh, a girl mm. turn up to Nets. She is a very, very good cricketer. Um, probably needs a little bit more confidence in her batting. 
um, might have to wear one or two to realise that you are going to get hit as a, yeah. as a batsman. But she's excellent and I hope she continues her pathway. I mean, last year in the capacities of my job as an analyst, I saw all three of the uh, Sunrisers games at Chelmsford. And if Libby continues her progress and her growth, from what I've seen that she would be competing against in a few years' time, I think she's got a reasonable chance. Uh, not necessarily being a professional, but being, you know, getting quite close to it. She yeah. might have to up her batting a bit. Um, I must admit, it's so long since we've done any coaching that I've tended to forgot quite a few of the names. Yeah. Um, one name that sprung out to me was Barrett. I can't remember his his surname, but I, can't, I know. Just, I can't you know the one. He's the B double A or B A. Yeah, he just turned up out of the blue. We got quite a lot of lads from South in High um, in the youth setup, and they speak to each other. And I think it was just a case of, yeah, I'm a member of a club, come along. He came along, bowled two balls, and I just thought, hang on, you can see that as a coach. The, the more experienced I was as a coach, the less the time it takes you to identify something that you like the look yeah. of. He's got such a smooth, natural action really has um great attitude really quiet uh, i had to make a few a bit of a guinea pig of him one evening i called danny saggers over i said danny just check this guy's action out and danny looked at me and he just said there's not a lot you can do with you know you'll have to do with that no um, but again these people just turn up out of the blue i get a real buzz out of seeing youngsters he's not seen before and then you see cricket's a unique sport i mean if you kick a football you most people look the same yeah. you know 10 people line up kick a ball it's all there's no real difference, but you get 10 lads turn up and bowl. Every action is unique. It's like a thumbprint. And yeah, when I saw Barrett bowl, I thought it's worthwhile doing this coaching lark because you can just give these people a platform, give the encouragement. And I see that he's on the selection for, for the Saturdays. So that's, it. that's uh, really, really good. But I think last, in general, sorry, go on, mate. I was going to say last year, uh, Benji Houghton was top wicket taker for the second team or the B team. Luke Guiler for the A team, which is obviously good for the coaches coming through. That people who are making the transition from youth cricket to adult and starting to succeed a little bit. So that's our primary objective: is to get is to feed the adult 11s yeah. uh, effectively its own supply. Um, I mean, Luke Guiler has always been impressed me, not so much as his ability, which is is, is obvious. But he's always asking questions. I mean, he'll come up to you and he'll go, Gav, what, you know, what shall I, what about this grip here? And, and he'll come up and say, well, my county coach has asked me to grip it this way. And I'll say, well, ask him why. So yeah. I'm not going to challenge the county coach, far from it, but ask him why. You know, don't just accept what someone tells to you. And like, that's why when I give, like, try and do a bit of particularly one-to-one -one coaching is to explain to the the, the batsman or a bowler why we're asking them to do something don't just get them to do it if they can understand why you're doing it then it's all well and good one thing i did help look with he's when he because he's left-handed isn't he left armor yeah his right his planted foot would be his feet would be pointing at a bit of an angle and i said you're putting a tremendous strain on your ankle like that yeah try and get i mean i was the last person to worry you know my front foot splayed all over the place with my action but with with Luke, it was try and get his front foot dead straight, almost get it coming through 12 o'clock. And I think it's just sometimes a little 
bit of advice can go a long way and you don't always appreciate it but i'm delighted to see the youngsters um doing so well because that's what our primary objective of any youth setup is no that's right that's exactly as you say it's very rewarding to see when when it all comes good certainly is mate i mean we don't do it for anything else other than what you might call kicks so yeah. your kicks have to be from seeing the, the kids progress my, my philosophy was just try and get coaching to get kids to be a better better level than me now some people might laugh and say that wouldn't be too hard but i i had a a, a reasonably successful club career a, yeah. a reasonably decent standard so if you can be better than me then you will be able to play adult cricket as, as much as and as long as you would like to do it no, um, that's, that's very true. So I hope, I hope, obviously, once this COVID is is done and dusted, I don't really see us being allowed to go indoors, um, if at all, this season. To be honest, um, yeah. so hopefully we might be able to be able, we might get out in May or June. That's it. It's just a case of wait and see. I think. I think that's what it is. So we, we shall see. Yeah, right. Exactly, mate. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your time, Gavin. You're that welcome, Scott. The Enjoyed the it. It's been great speaking to you. Thank, Thank you for you. all the memories. Thank you very much for your time, mate. Thanks, Scott. I appreciate your time. Cheers, Gavin.